Welcome to episode 281 of Live Happy Now. This is Paula Phelps, and this week we're talking about honesty. We've all told little white lies, but have you thought about how honest you really are in your day-to-day life? When Judy Kettler started thinking about it, she realized that maybe she wasn't as honest as she thought. So the writer delved into the research and her own habits, and the result is her new book, Would I Lie to You? The Amazing Power of Being Honest in a World That Lies. Today, Judy's here to talk about why we lie, how it affects our happiness, and how we can all live our lives with just a little more honesty. Judy, welcome to Live Happy Now. I'm so excited to have you because this is a topic that we have never addressed on this show. Oh, wow. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to have you on because I actually found you. I was reading an article in Scientific American Magazine, and it was incredible. And then, so I had to look you up, and I found out about your book. As I thought about it, I really haven't seen a lot of research on honesty. I've, we hear a lot about it today, but what made you decide to take on this topic? Yeah, great question. So I feel like I've always had an interesting relationship with honesty, and maybe everyone can say this, but they're not honest enough to admit it. So, <laughs> you know, like as a kid, I would tell these little fibs. Usually they were related to telling the girls on my gymnastics team that I had a boyfriend when they were all talking about their boyfriends, right? Or um, embellishing something. Usually they were to do with ego. I wasn't going around stealing or lying about those kinds of things, but most of the lies I told were really about, I felt uncomfortable in some moment and I would wind up lying to try to fix it. But I always wound up feeling worse. And at the same time, I would get really frustrated when I knew other people were lying to me or when I could see hypocrisy. So I grew up Catholic. So I feel like I mm. grew up just in one giant world of hypocrisy. <laughs> not not so much with my family because my family was on the liberal end and really were always very realistic about stuff. And But m- more in the school and in the church. And so I would get so frustrated with others' hypocrisy and lying, but yet I had this shame about my own. And I feel like that stayed with me my whole life, just kind of kept manifesting in other ways. So I was in college and I became a feminist. And at the same time, I developed an eating disorder. <laughs> I was like, well, this is weird. <laughs> like, it was both sides. <laughs> right, right. It was this contradiction. And I knew it was, but nonetheless, it, was there. And I felt like it just kept manifesting in different ways. And when I got into my 40s and, you know, my kids were at that age where they are starting to become people, right? And realize the hypocrisy of the world and realize, tell their own little lies or or realize when people are lying to them. Like it just suddenly became this topic I was really interested in. And I remembered how it it was a topic my whole life that I felt like I had kind of struggled with that balance of my frustration with others' lies and my own lies. And then when Donald Trump became president, it just elevated everything because he was, it was and is so clearly a liar on every level. But at the same time, I knew that doesn't excuse me. I know he's a liar, but am I? Like, I wanted to explore that. So I think it was just everything came together. Suddenly there was this 
really national focus on lying and honesty, but I felt like it was mostly on his lying because it was so blatant. But I wanted to turn that conversation inward and really take the chance to look at my own, my own relationship with honesty, because that's kind of all we can control. We need to call out the lies of other people, but all we can really control is our own relationship with it. So that's really what the book is. That's why I started on this journey. Of, well, that's a, it's a really honesty. bold exploration because honesty is uncomfortable because we all want to think we're honest and think I'm, I'm an honest person. But then as you read your book, it's like, oh yeah, I've done that <laughs> or I still do that. And so did it make you uncomfortable as you were delving into this and, and realize maybe I'm not as honest as I think I am? Yes. Yes. And so that's a, that's kind of a phase of it. You know, I think the same way there are phases and stages of lots of things of grief of, well, I mean, grief is really the one that comes to mind. I think that there, we have that same thing with honesty, where if you're really going to focus on it, you're going to go through a stage of really uncomfortable, you know, like, wow, I am a liar. <laughs> like you really have to, I think it's actually very relevant right now because as a white person, it's something I'm going through the stage where I'm like, wow, I have acted in racist ways in my life. And it's an uncomfortable reckoning, but you have to go through it and get past it because once you get past it, you can do different. You can start to think about things differently and behave differently. And so I think with honesty, it's like you have to go through that just uncomfortable like reckoning of what I recommend to people if you're going to, if you really want to focus on this is you just start tracing back through your life. Like what's the first lie you can remember telling? And do you remember why you told it? And trace back those lies that stand out in your mind, those times when you, whether it was like willful deception or it was just not speaking up and you regret that you didn't speak up. However, like there's a really broad umbrella of things related to honesty and deception, but whatever stands out in your mind, like you're remembering it for a reason and go through and start cataloging them. And it's uncomfortable, but it helps you learn about your relationship with honesty and the reasons that you might resort to deception or be less than honest. It's uncomfortable, but it's helpful. <laughs> Yeah, and I can see that. So for most people, most of us would say that they that we're honest. After doing writing the book, after doing the amount of research that you've done, do you agree with that? No. We're a bunch of liars, <laughs> aren't we, Judy? Just say it. Well, I think, you know, actually it's it's interesting. So part of what I do in the book is I do point out that honesty, like it's not always the most important value. I mean, that's the other thing that's complicated about this work is that the conversations that we have around honesty, we, they're often, they're too flat. Like you're either honest or you're telling the truth. And when you start to look at situations, like honesty just isn't always the most important value. Sometimes another value like kindness or literally protecting someone's life is more important. Elevating honesty as the most important value all the time is, is not the right thing. That's kind of one thing that's true. And on the other side, you know, what seems to be the opposite, but in fact really isn't, is that we, we think we're way more honest than we are. We kind of forget about our fudge factor. So Dan Ariely <laughs> has done a lot of great research that I read his book, The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. 
he does all these experiments where he shows many of, I mean, by and large, we have this fudge factor where we, we, when we feel like we can justify something, we will fudge the truth. And I certainly did this. I don't do it as much now because I'm paying attention. Right. But when you're not paying attention, you do it way more than you think. So it's like we have these, you know, these different things that are true. Like being honest isn't always the most important thing on one end. And then on the other end, it's like, wow, we are not paying attention to whether or not we are honest. And they're both true. And when you start paying attention, you, you notice the reasons. Why might you tell a pro-social lie? Is it really, is it coming from empathy? Is it coming from some pro-social instinct? Or do you think it is, but really it's about ego or it's about being afraid to stand in an uncomfortable space or because you have a blind spot? What is it really? But until you engage with it and pay attention, you're not, you're not going to know. You're going to keep going on autopilot saying the same cliches. Honesty is the best policy. I'm an honest person. Like you're going to say these yeah. things that don't even, that aren't true. Can you talk about what a pro-social lie is? Sure. So it's a lie told for the benefit of someone else. So I give the example in my book about I was swimming laps at the Y one day and I was, you know, in toward the end of swimming my mile. And, you know, when you're swimming, your goggles are fogged up. You can't see anything. Your head's down, you're in the lane. And so if if someone's going to share the lane with you, they need to like get your attention. They need to like make eye contact verbally say, I'm going to share the lane. Is that okay? So that you know that they're in your lane. And suddenly this, I felt this, like I almost collided with someone. Like they just kind of whooshed past me. And it scared me. And I was like, what? what's going on? And so I could tell, like when I got back down to the other end, that it was this kind of older man. He was kind of lumbering along. <laughs> and when he came back down to my end, I said, you know, sir, are you, it's really important that you verbally, if you're going to share a lane with someone, you have to let them know because it's really dangerous if not. And I could just tell that he was mortified. He was embarrassed. He felt really bad. And you know, he's like, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know. I just started swimming. And so without even thinking, I said, oh, I, don't worry about it. I did the same thing when I first started swimming here, which was a lie. I didn't because it did seem obvious to me that you should tell someone <laughs> if they're going to share their lane. But seeing his embarrassment and like shame, I just wanted to like ameliorate it. Right. And so mm-hmm. I like told that little pro-social lie and he felt better and I felt better. And really, what's wrong with that? Do you know what I mean? Like there's not, it it wasn't really for ego. It wasn't really, nothing was really on the line other than I just didn't like that he felt so bad about this mistake that it wasn't a malicious mistake. So that's kind of a a very minor example. And the, the most extreme example that lots of philosophers, you know, they call it the Nazi at the door. If like during Nazi Germany, most extreme example of pro-social lying would be, you know, someone comes to your door and asks, are you hiding Jewish people? And you say no, and you're, you're, you say no to protect their life. So it's like the most extreme example of pro-social lying is that you lie to literally protect someone's life or someone's fleeing a, an abusive relationship and you shelter them in your home. So th- those are kind of the the other end, kind of the, the most extreme examples of pro-social lying. So as you can see, I mean, it's, it's important. Like we, sometimes it's just, you have to lie. I mean, it lies to do with national security, perhaps keeping people in the dark because ultimately it's in the best interest. And I mean, that's, that's a slippery slope, I know. But so there are times where honesty is just not the most important value. 
And I think um, it's that's what's behind. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because I know I was raised in a, a very religious home and honesty, like, boy, that was really hammered home. You do not lie for any reason. You do not lie. And so I think now as we realize there really is a spectrum of honesty and as a parent, how do you instill that in children? Like, how do you go about teaching this? Because like you said, it's not black and white. It's not like you either tell mm -hmm. the truth or you don't. There is a spectrum. So how do you approach that? You have a lot of conversations with them. So that's what I've been trying to do with my kids. And I do feel like I've got pretty honest kids. I mean, maybe I'm naive. That's very possible. Because, I mean, they have other faults. Like, I can tell you all their other faults. They have many, right? But I do feel like they're pretty honest. Like, they, I feel like they have this good kind of moral center. That doesn't mean they still don't have their own fudge factor and whatever. But we have lots of conversations about it. And, you know, one thing that I tell them is that if you see me and you think that I'm, like, you see me, we're, we're out or whatever, and you think that I'm lying, you can call me out on it. Not at the time. Like, let's wait till we're back in private. But you can ask me, were you being honest? Or I know you weren't being honest. Why weren't you being honest? Like, you can call me out on it. And I found that those are good opportunities to have conversations because once you tell kids that, they're all about looking for it, right? Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> so, like a treasure hunt. <laughs> yeah. But it really opens up the door to have conversations and to teach them like, yes, in fact, you were right. I wasn't as honest as I could have been in this situation. And here's why. Or maybe they'll catch you, you know, like I was a Party City buying something and the Party City people are always like, can I have your email address? I don't want to be on another email list. And so I said, oh, I don't have an email. I don't have an email. And my daughter looked at me like, what? And I realized I in that moment, like, right, like what a stupid lie. And I was showing her that when you don't want to deal with something, you just lie. You just kind of swat it off with a lie. And that's not the lesson that I wanted to show her. What I should have said is, I do, but I don't want to join the email list. It's nothing to do with you. You're doing a great job here as a cashier at Party City, but I don't want to join the email list. But I didn't want to deal with the situation. Like it was easier just to swat it off with a lie. And so w without that look from her, I don't know what I'd even thought about that if I didn't, right. you know, have someone to point it out. So I think that just engaging with your kids and learning it together and kind of being in conversation with them all the time about these behaviors is that's the best thing I've been able to figure out. My kids are 10 and 12. So well, I don't that's have a good teenagers age yet. This. It's a good age. Teenagers and college students, parents probably, they may have a different set of advice they would give. <laughs> but like for where my kids are right now, <laughs> this is what's working. Well, and then you started something called an honesty journal. And I found this really interesting because maybe I'm just in the dark, but I had not heard of something like this before. So can you tell us what an honesty journal is, how you kept it, and then how it helped you? Sure. So it's, I opened a Google Doc and I wrote honesty journal and I started <laughs> writing down every decision I was making about honesty throughout the day. I mean, that's just, just journaling, paying attention and kind of journaling about the different decisions that I was making. And also in that, I would also I would then remember a lot of it was a process of remembering like, oh yeah, I remember now that time when I was 10 and you know, blah, blah, blah. So not only was I writing down kind of 
what was happening throughout the day, but it was then helping me remember other times when something similar had happened. And then I, you know, would write about that and reflect on that. So it was really just opening a document and just writing down, just paying attention, making an effort to pay attention to my honesty and then writing about it. I'm home all day working, so it's not difficult for me to kind of keep a running thing like that. Other people, it might be something they would have to do at the end of the day or something. Some, somehow keep, keep notice of a mental note of what they were going to write, but just writing down, paying attention to it, writing it down, reflecting on it a little bit, and, but not judging, like trying really hard not to be judgmental in it because if you start judging yourself, you're not even going to want to write it down or paying attention. <laughs> just kind of doing it like a journalist, like just observing it and writing it down. And so as you did that, how did that help you? What did you start noticing as you, because it's almost like you were, it's almost like a meditative thing where you're not engaging with the thought. You're just putting it down, observing it and walking away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that I lied a lot more than I thought. And I also started to see that these notions of honesty and deception were complicated. Again, that's kind of when I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's this other category of not really lying to benefit me, but like I'm lying because I am worried about someone else. And so then I started, like I was kind of researching concurrently and I realized, oh, that's a pro-social lie. So it just led me to understand these, all these different areas within honesty and deception or things like paltering, which are saying a true statement for the purpose of misleading. Bill Clinton is kind of the famous, right? There's a whole book about paltering that (laughs) references Bill Clinton multiple times, right? That's just a, a great example that a lot of us can quickly understand. True statement for the purpose of misleading. These things aren't all awful, but you do need to be aware because when you're aware, you just have a, you have more context, you have a better understanding of it. So that's really what, you know, keeping the journal just kind of forced me into this paying attention. I know I keep saying paying attention, but that's really what it's about. It's just noticing this stuff instead of being on autopilot. And then did you find yourself becoming more honest as you became aware? Yes. Yes. So I noticed more. A great example is I had this exchange with an editor where he was a really difficult editor and he just like leave these belittling comments on drafts and like nobody wanted to work with them. And he, we were at a conference together. And when I met him in person, I was like, he's such a nice guy. Like (laughs) he's kind of a, kind of a geek. Like he, nothing about him was threatening at all. And I couldn't quite match this to the kind of editor he was. And so he, he wound up cornering me, not in a weird threatening way, but kind of like a hurt little boy way saying like, you know, nobody wants to work with me. Like I'm, some writers say that I'm, you know, the most difficult. I can't remember exactly what he said. I have it in the book. Is that true? And I was so caught off guard. I was like, uh, no, I mean, not, not really. Like I just was so afraid of hurting his feelings in that moment. So I told that lie, but then immediately I was like, no, this was a chance to be honest. This was a chance to tell him because he, he does, he actually doesn't understand. He's actually asking for feedback. Like he's just not aware or something. So I need to go back and be honest. And so then I did, I texted him and I was like, Hey, let's meet for a drink or whatever. And then I was able to be really honest with him. It was uncomfortable at first, 
But one of the things I did is I said, you know, I'm actually working on a a book about being more honest. (laughs) I don't know that I decided to write the book yet. I think I said, I'm thinking about writing a book about being more honest. And so I'm focusing on my honesty choices. And so I realized that I wasn't completely honest with you. So it kind of like offered this little kind of way into talking about it because I said, oh, I'm focusing on being more honest. So I did find myself Sometimes my first reaction may have still been to like tell the fib, but then I would notice it and try to correct it. Whereas before, I don't know, I probably just would have gone on my day and felt bad about it, but been like, eh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so this is so interesting and it seems like it does take a bit of bravery to start delving into this topic because it's not an easy thing to shine that light on ourselves and see where we need this kind of improvement. But as you practice honesty and you become more honest with yourself about honesty, how does that contribute to our happiness? Well, one of the things that it has done for me is it's just helped me to feel more aligned as a person. That conflict that I I feel like I've had my whole life, that tug of war between being really frustrated with others' lies and being ashamed of my own, I feel like that has dissipated. It's good because right now, again, we have this president who just has this steady stream of lies where nearly everything he says is a lie. And I could see that it would be so easy to think nobody cares about being honest anymore. Mm-hmm. He can lie and he and there's no consequences for him. You know, we can list all the things he's done and say there's no consequences. I mean, hopefully there will be a consequence in a month, but as of now, like there's no consequences. It doesn't even matter anymore. And so I've been able to get out of that place and say like, in fact, it does matter. It matters a lot because if you like, it's not enough to just say, well, at least I'm not as, at least I don't lie as much as Donald Trump. (laughs) Like that's (laughs) a really low barometer, right? For happiness. And so it's just that, that, feeling of being more aligned and less in conflict, like about the frustration with others' lies and the shame of my own. I just don't feel that as much anymore. I think the other thing for me is that it happened, I did all this work kind of a fortuitous time because when COVID happened and we were all stuck inside together, right? Like, yeah, I mean, my husband and I have been having when I, the other catalyst for writing the book is that we were having some issues as is pretty common when you have like young children and some of them had to do with honesty and with me trying to be honest with feelings I developed for another man and trying to work through that. And had I not done that work and had we not kind of reckoned with it and reconciled and come back together stronger, I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be all stuck in the house together. Like it would have been terrible, but it wound up that it was, I don't want to say it was great because it was like a national tragedy and people are still dying from it. And, you know, so I, I can't in any way say that it's, it's great. It's terrible. But it wasn't the awful kind of pressure packed thing it, it would have been had I still been kind of, had we still been spinning around on all these issues. So it definitely helped me just be more honest and happier in my marriage. And I think a better parent, more engaged with my kids, more ready to help them through this kind of these tween years. And, you know, I mean, my kids are both on social media, you know, they just are because they are right. And, and I'd rather go through it with them and help them 
figure it out versus like taking, like not allowing it and they're teenagers and they go crazy with it. So helping them navigate that and having conversations about all that. I don't know that I would have been able to have very good conversations had I not done all of this work. It's just helped me be a more engaged, happier person and less just judgmental of everyone else's lies without really paying attention to my own. That is excellent. Well, we're going to, when we come back, we're going to tell people where they can find your book. We're going to give them a link to get a download, free download of the first chapter. But as we let you go, what is one thing that, that everyone listening can do right now, starting today, to become more honest with themselves? Challenge yourself to have an honest conversation. And research shows that we think that it'll be way worse. Like we think that being honest with someone about a difficult topic will be way worse than it is. We think that it'll cause disconnection and they're going to hate us or whatever. And in reality, it winds up, people find it meaningful. They find it more socially connecting than they had expected. And so just accept that your perception of what it'll be might be wrong and just go ahead and have, just try to have that honest conversation and see how it feels because it will probably feel a lot better than you think. And even if, if it, even if it feels awkward, even if it feels awkward in the moment, the results of it will probably be far better than you think. That's excellent. Judy, thank you for coming on and talking to us about honesty. I think this was a great conversation and again, very timely something all of us can look at with ourselves. And thank you again. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking about it. That was Judy Kettler, author of Would I Lie to You? The Amazing Power of Being Honest in a World That Lies. To learn more about Judy, order her book, or download a free chapter of her book, just visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. That's all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. Mm -hmm.